You found it. No nonsense. No scripts. Real people on real issues. Hard hitting and action packed with logic, reason, and common sense. Everything you need and everything you've been looking for in a podcast. This is Dynamic Independence with Johnny Anderson, Bruce Adams, Marty Foster, and GP. Welcome to it. Happy Monday, Bruce. How are you? Yeah, healthy and alive. That's great. Hope Glad everyone, to hear it. Hope everyone had a good Father's Day in the U.S. Oh man, yeah, in the U.S. Yeah, because it was a couple. It was mm. a couple of weeks ago here. Strange getting used to that stuff. Got a new book in on Saturday. Yeah, got it right here. Yeah, this is uh, enjoying it. I am so far. Yeah, you wouldn't believe. Actually, you would. You wouldn't believe what's actually going on in the intelligence community. We were kind of loosely discussing it before we started. I mean, I knew it was bad. I, I knew it was bad, but I didn't realize it was this bad. Apparently, these people sit around all day. These are just fresh out of college. They've got degrees in criminal justice and poli sci, and they just sit around all day. They read the Washington Post every morning, and then they watch CNN all day, and they think they're informed. That's that's literally what they're behaving like, is that. So anyway, this book, uh, this is The Antifa. It's called, it's titled The Antifa by Jack Posobiec. And I think, I, you know what, I, I think I've actually got the video around here for that. But this is a fantastic book thus far, uh, and I highly recommend that if you are looking for a new book to pick up, I would recommend picking up this one if you can get your hands on it. And I mean the physical copy. You have got to stop buying. If you're still buying Kindle copies, get rid of them. Stop it. Stop doing that because Amazon is in the process now of removing books that they don't deem uh, approved or whatever. So th- there is, th- they're no better than than the Nazis that burned books back in the day. So get the physical. If you have to go to Amazon and buy it, fine. If you can't get it anywhere else, but if if you can get the physical copy of books, you need physical hard copies of books and hardback if you can, because those are going to be the ones that'll last longer. But anyway, I love. By the way, I, I love Jack Posobiec's, uh Wikipedia little description on him. Uh huh. He's an American alt-right and alt-light political activist, television correspondent and presenter, conspiracy theorist, and internet troll. Posobiec is a conspiracy theorist? You know, I've been listening to that guy and following him for a good, good while now, a good number of years now. And you know something? He doesn't strike me as the conspiracy theory type. He, He puts out his reports, and I follow him. And I go and I read his stuff. And to be honest with you, regardless of that, if you're not a fan of the World Economic Forum, guess who they're not a fan of? They're not a fan of Jack Posobiec. They called him out by name last week. Supposedly, he was pushing Pizzagate, which the the core of it, saying that Washington, D.C. has like a child sex ring, um, Epstein, but uh, like, hello, it's just not centered around a pizzeria. <laughs> Pizzagate, that was that was debunked, though. Some guy walked in there with like a shotgun or something, didn't he? And said that yeah, uh, something yeah, like I'm, that. I'm here. Yeah. I'm here for the kids in the basement, and they're like, we don't have a basement. Yeah. So that one though, that was based around uh, the whole pizzeria thing. And personally, I think that's where they got it wrong. It wasn't a pizzeria. Epstein. I mean, we, we've talked about the, the the child sex stuff that they've. The Lolita Express was the aircraft. Like everybody knew that this was a thing. Yeah. I, I don't know. You and I have looked yeah, at so the ledger. It, but, well, not yeah. not the ledger of the flight manifest, but the uh, the black book. Yeah, the black book. Yeah. 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 
Interesting so names in there. We we know that. Yeah, we know that's happened. Like our elite, if you will, are involved in that. I found his promo video. I tell you what, let's just go ahead and play it now. Uh, it, it's a couple of minutes long, but uh, this outlines basically his book. So let's uh, let's take a listen to that. Some people say Antifa is just an idea. Some people say Antifa is a myth. Mainstream media, they collude with big tech to bury the truth about Antifa. But ignoring the rise of the black flags in America, that's a great mistake. So who is Antifa? Where they come from? How are they funded? And most people don't ask these questions. I don't have to ask it. I've lived it. And I wrote the book on it. Let's go. Antifa aren't Democrats. They're not Republicans. They're anarcho-communists. Only want one thing. The overthrow of the U.S. system by any means necessary. The original founder of Antifa was actually a German, a Soviet agent named Ernst Talman in Weimar, Germany. Talman was the leader of the German Communist Party, the founder of the Red Front, and in 1932, he created Antifascista Action. Under the two-flag emblem, the first Antifa targeted the government of their time, the Weimar Republic, which, as we all know, ultimately ended with the rise of Adolf Hitler and the National Socialists. Thanks, Ernst. Communist China in the 1960s saw a new form of revolution, a student movement called the Hong Wei Bing, the Red Guards. They took to the streets to remake society, and they called it social justice. Chairman Mao called the Red Guards from all across China to overthrow traditional Chinese culture, to go after the teachers, the business owners, even their own parents. As a result, Somewhere between 5 and 10 million Chinese citizens were murdered to solidify the rule of the CCP, all in the name of revolution. In the 1970s in West Germany, the notorious Bader-Meinhof gang was another extension of anarcho-socialism that appeared. They were also known as the Red Army Faction. And this was a group of radical extremists who conducted a series of terrorist attacks funded by the USSR. This wreaked havoc on the entire region for years. Before turning to a life of terrorism, Ulrich Meinhof was a left-wing journalist. Funny how that works. During the Syrian civil war, some Antifa militants even traveled to the Middle East and trained and fought with Kurdish communists on the battlefield in what was known as the Rojava Revolution. And then they came back to America with what they learned. You won't see this on CNN. And now, Antifa is right here in America. Armed Antifa actually tried to create their own country within the city of Seattle, Washington, called the Chaz. And instead of shutting them down, local police were ordered to abandon their precinct. The result? Absolute mayhem. But it wasn't until shots were fired, women assaulted, homeless people murdering each other, and teens were shot dead in the streets that the city finally intervened and shut it down. I know because I was there. I've been inside the black box. I was standing next to Raz Simone when he locked and loaded in Chaz. I came face to face with Antifa leaders who wanted to kill me in Lincoln Park, Washington, D.C. 
I know firsthand Antifa is very real, and they've been around for a very long time. The first step to defeating these violent anarchists is to actually admit they exist. Joe Biden, if you think Antifa is just an idea, read the new book. I'd be happy to deliver you a copy once you're done reading Hunters. We have the receipts. They're all right here. And if you think a violent cultural revolution can never happen again, you haven't been paying attention. That conspiracy theorist, that daggone conspiracy theorist, that that Pasovic, I'm telling you. You know, Bruce, you and I have, when he was talking about the formation of Antifa, you and I have sat down and we've looked at the photos. We went over the photos of what was going on by or what was happening in Germany in the late 1930s. Oh, hell, in the 1920s, leading up to the 30s. And the KPD, the Communist Party of Deutschland, which is the Communist Party of Germany, they had all, all political parties had this. They had militant wings of, of their political parties. You had the Communist Party of Germany. Their militant wing was what he just mentioned. Antifascista action. Antifascist action. Ring a bell. Sounds similar. You know, we share an Anglo-Saxon language. So it was there is where it started. It was started by Tallman, as he said. Posobiec's a former naval intelligence officer. He's not an idiot. He worked for a couple of years down in Guantanamo interrogating people that we had in, uh, that we had in prison down there. He doesn't strike me as a uh, as a conspiracy theory type. He also spent two years in China where he learned about communism and he learned to speak fluent Mandarin. So he understands how things work over there. So no, I don't think he's some uh, some loony. I don't think he's some conspiracy theorist. I think he's right on point. Uh, and thus far, his book uh, is is right right on the line. He's done a great job with it. Also, when he was talking about the um, the Antifa members that went to Syria to train with the uh, with the groups over there in the Rojava Revolution, there was a book that was written about that. I've mentioned it here before. You can pick it up for about I think I paid eleven dollars for it on uh, on Amazon. It's available. You can go and get it. It's called Burn Down the American Plantation, a call for the revolutionary abolitionist movement. Uh, I would highly recommend you go and get it. It's a very short read. Uh, It's about 80 pages. And again, was written by the Marxist Kurds out of Syria from the Rojava Revolution. And they've formed a group in America called the Revolutionary Abolitionist Movement. Funny how that works. So, yeah, it's he's he's right on he's right on the money. And these are things that that I knew pre his book release, before I even knew he was writing a book on this. These are things that I've been studying. I mean, I've been talking about this book for over a year now, haven't I? And it's it's there. Mm -hmm. It's it's there. So uh, this stuff that he's bringing up, though it is more in depth, like, for example, I didn't know about the intelligence agency. Hell, those idiots are stuck in a feedback loop. They don't know what in the world's going on. Most of them have been working at home. He points out in there, most of them have been working at home for the last 12 months because of COVID. They don't have access to classified information. So all they do is sit at home, watch CNN and use Google. That's where you're getting all the talking points about uh, radical national extremists and white supremacists, because that's all they're dishing out. So anyway, that's a fantastic point on uh, on Posobiec and his book. Uh, I highly recommend his book. I'm not finished with it yet. I'm about a third of the way through it. As I said, it came yesterday and I, I thought, OK, I'll just read a couple of pages here. Next thing I know, I'm a third of the way through it. So it's really good. But anyway, all right, let's uh, let's get into this other stuff. So not jumping too far off course here, sticking with China because I want to uh, and, and sticking with uh, <laughs> you're going to love this National Pulse. Again, Raheem Kassam, Natalie Winters hit it out of the park. Are you ready for this? Bruce, you sitting down? I, yeah, you're sitting down. You ready for this? Google and the USAID funded 
the Wuhan collaborator Peter Daszak's virus experiments for over a decade. Google funded the EcoHealth Alliance for over a decade. New reports out. Are we shocked? Are we surprised? <laughs> Are we shocked? <laughs> I can tell we're on the same page. Yeah, yeah. Google-funded research conducted by Peter Daszak's EcoHealth Alliance, a controversial group which has openly collaborated with the Wuhan Institute of Virology on killer bat coronavirus research for over a decade. So the unearthed financial ties, this wasn't even put out in the report that was released uh, by the Daily Mail about the DOD. This goes even, this ties in big tech. So this this is huge. This unearthed financial ties between the EcoHealth Alliance and Google follow months of big tech censorship of stories and individuals that support are in support of COVID-19 and the lab leak theory. Oh, you didn't think they were doing that because because they, they wanted to keep with just the World Health Organization, did you? you? You didn't think that they wanted to keep with that just because they're woke, did you? Now it all makes sense. And I'm sure if you tie in Facebook, and uh, I've heard that uh, there's a very interesting tie between Zuckerberg, Facebook, and the 2020 election. But that's due to be explained in more detail in the coming days. Zuckerberg and I guess uh, his wife and a cut and she's Chinese, by the way, maybe that's just coincidence. I don't know. Uh, Priscilla Chang is her name. I guess them through various organizations gave around, oh, I don't know, half a million dollars or whatever it was to change things about the voting processes in various states and have things finagled around because of COVID, you know, all that stuff. You got to revolutions cost money. You got to get it somewhere, right? For any of you that might be not convinced that Google's involvement in that, go check out The Selfish Ledger. Still on YouTube. Just double checked. And pay close attention to some of the things they talk about there. One of the things they talk about is using gene therapy to quell dissenters, if you will, to oh, organize. Really? And yeah, they, they, they talk about using gene therapy to um, engineer society. Gene therapy, huh? Isn't that, isn't that what these things are called? Gene therapy? Huh. Well, I, I technically threw that term in. They talk about using genetics to help engineer society, but well, that's gene therapy. So Yeah, this is mRNA. I mean, it changes the way that you behave towards certain things. I mean, I would argue at that point, um, I mean, you're a genetically modified individual at that point, are you not? I mean, we technically already were if you've been vaccinated technically. I mean, uh, technically, you you were genetically modified if you were ever sick. So even even outside of human intervention, technically. Hmm. Interesting. So Google-backed EcoHealth Alliance, uh, excuse me, the Google-backed EcoHealth Alliance played a critical role in the cover-up of COVID-19's origins through the through its president, Peter Daszak. And again, he was also the point man for the World Health Organization on the investigation of the origins that led the team over to Wuhan, but they weren't given access to the lab. Just, I, I'm sure that, well, what else could they do, right? What, what else could they do? Not much more than they could have done. He also championed the efforts to debunk the lab origin theory of the virus, despite mounting support for the claim first made by the, by the experts on Steve Bannon's podcast back in January of 2020. Yeah, I remember them talking about it. And you know something? Mm -hmm. He was also praising Anthony Fauci, Dr. Anthony Fauci, the saint, excuse me, the sainted Dr. Anthony Fauci was also praising him for misdirecting the public and keeping the attention off of the Wuhan Institute of Virology. Thanks a lot for that, Tony. We really appreciate that. By the way, speaking of sainted, I'm wondering if I know we joke about that, but I'm wondering if he will be put into saint status. 
by the Pope. Now, here, here's the thing. There was a, a little-known conference that took place at the Vatican a few weeks ago. You remember that? Little-known. Media mm-hmm. really didn't touch on it. But Fauci was a keynote speaker there. The only reason I say that is because today, Pope Francis has announced that the creator of the European Union is just one step away from being given sainthood. Now you know they've truly lost their minds. Canonically, do you know what the last step is, by the way? The, the, the one thing that's missing there, canonically, you have to die. Oh, okay. That's yeah. that's interesting. You're 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 not you can't be sainted while you're alive. Well, the uh, either way, uh, the founders of the European Union, I mean, that, they were a bunch of uh, French socialists that were disconnected from re- all reality when they created the idea and the concept in the first place. So, yeah. And, and you see what a success all this mess has been, how it's financially and culturally destroyed Europe. Yeah, it's been a real success. Suicidal maniacs. Of course, I could expect nothing less from French intellectuals. Uh, no disrespect to our French listeners. That's that's not what I mean. But the higher ups, man, just like the rest of our countries, right? The higher ups, they just get up there. They get this they get this sycophantic idea stuck in their head like Klaus Schwab and and it all goes to hell. So left wing websites are masquerading as fact checkers that still call the lab leak theory false, despite there's been actually a, a tone shift in the, the Biden administration. They say they're going to look into. Of course, I think it's all just political theater going back and forth. They know they do. So Google.org, which is their charity arm of uh, of their uh, their organization, has also been funding studies carried out by the EcoHealth Alliance researchers, including Peter Daszak, since at least 2010. Now, we went back and looked at a lot of Daszak's research. He's written, what was it, like 25 papers praising the Chinese Communist Party? And and they funded a lot of yeah. his research for him to write those papers? And that, uh, that video I was talking about, the selfish ledger, it's praising social credit is basically what it is. Um, but that was originally created, I believe, in 2016. And the video was uploaded, I think, in 2018, if I'm remembering the, the timelines. Correct. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There was a study that was released in 2010 on a bat flavivirus, which lists Dasik and the Eco, Eco Health Alliance president Jonathan Epstein. I'm sure, there's no relation no as relation, authors yeah. that thank Google.org for funding it. And I'm looking at the paper right here. The funding was uh, I'm I'm reading right here under the funding section, uh, and and I see the um, I, I see the date right here January it was received on uh, January 11th 2010 accepted May 27th 2010 and published on July 1st of that year and uh, yeah the study was funded by awards from the National Institute of Health <clears throat> the Northeast Biodefense Center at Lipkin the United States Agency for International Development Emerging Pandemic Threats Program. Predict project, not quite sure what that is, under the terms of the cooperative agreement number, blah, blah, blah. The Department of Defense also funded that research. Oh, now, I know that this one right here might shock you, Bruce, Th- this this funder right here. Of course, Google, right? Google was a uh, was a funder here. Uh, the, the other one, this this last one that funded this paper, I'm sure this one will shock you. The Rockefeller Foundation is who it was. Um, predict that was a USAID. Oh, USAID. Okay. And the, did you it was catch a grant? The, oh, yeah. And, and you catch that the Rockefeller Foundation also funded. Uh, I did. Yeah. Paper. Rockefeller. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Because because they've been uh, in lockstep with all of this. If anybody wants to go look with it, look up what that means. Uh, the side note about predict real quick. Um, literally listed right here. Just Googling the name predict project. Mm-hmm. Um, partners. Eco Health Alliance. 
Yeah. 20, uh, $200 million. It's, it's all the right there, isn't it? Yeah, it's all right there. So uh, there was also, a t- if you think that was just the one and, one and done and a one-time off, you're sadly mistaken. A 2015 paper, a 2000, yeah, 2015 uh, paper focused on herpes, which lists EcoHealth Alliance's Peter Daszak and Epstein as authors, revealed it was reveals it was supported by funding from the U.S. Agency for International Development, yeah, USAID, uh, and the Predict Program, the Skoll Foundation, and Google. If that wasn't enough, in 2018. EcoHealth Alliance researchers authored a paper entitled Serologic and Behavioral Risk Survey of Workers with Wildlife Contact in China that was made possible by the financial contribution of Google.org. Well, now, there's a summary. You know, At the top of these academic papers and peer-reviewed papers and all the rest of it, there's always a summary and an abstract summary at the top of these things. What does this one say? We report on a study conducted in Guangdong Province, China, to characterize behaviors and perceptions associated with transmission of pathogens with pandemic potential in highly exposed human populations at the animal-human interface. A risk factor exposure survey was administered to individuals with high levels of exposure to wildlife. This is what Google is funding. Isn't that uh, Guangdong? Isn't that... uh, That's where that nuclear facility is. Wuhan... Well, it's the nuclear facility, but isn't that uh, well? And no. also, Hubei like, is Shenzhen and all that. No, Hubei, Hubei is okay. Yeah, Hubei well, province is where. Well, it's, it's the, the province next one over. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the next. Yeah. one. it's the one just north of there. Yeah. Yeah. Now, one would almost tend to think that papers and research like this would almost lay the foundation and the groundwork for something having to do with SARS and coronaviruses and and a potential outbreak. Right? One would almost think that. I mean, just just saying. They also note here that. Um, they, they also kind of lay the theory out that um, that a coronavirus could originate in a wet market. That's strange. That's strange that that, that would, you know, that, that might be... Again, the, telegraphing. Yeah, yeah. It's it's strange that they write about that all the way back in, in 2018 in a, in a research paper. It's, it's entirely possible because of the research that they did on the uh, animal-human interface and a risk factor exposure survey was administered to individuals with high levels of exposure to wildlife that kind of depicts... Hey, uh, wet market, animal-human interface, risk factor exposure kind of lays the groundwork there just a little bit. You know, you kind of have to prep things before you roll things out. That's kind of seems like what they're doing here. I'm just saying. So the paper also highlights how SARS has emerged in humans and other mammals in wet markets. <laughs> it, as if they weren't trying to make it obvious enough, they just come right out and say it after that. And I'm quoting here from the paper, handling, transporting and butchering of hunted or farmed wildlife poses a risk of pathogen spillover into humans. In southern China provinces, including Guangdong, a significant percentage of the population obtains fresh meat for consumption from wet markets. Community markets that specialize in selling and butchering live animals, including animals that are rare and endangered. Research has demonstrated that human-animal interfaces, such as within these wet markets, provide an ideal environment for infectious disease, emergence, transmission, and amplification. One would almost think that they already had the idea of scapegoating the wet market ready to go. One would almost think that. There it is. And it was funded by your phone company, Google. Phone company, search engine, like, at this point, what, what, what do they not do? Do you know what Google's stated goal was when they were when they were actually uh, made mainstream? Do you know what their stated goal was as a company? Don't be evil. 
Well, yeah, but that like that was their slogan. But their stated yeah. goal was to become the internet. They want to be the gateway of everything. That was their stated goal. And they're working on it. They're working on it. They're just about everywhere now. But it's if be there the was a gateway to controlling society at this point. Yeah, as yeah. Well. Yeah, sure. But if there was ever a justifiable reason to put that country that excuse me to put well I, I said I almost said put that country it, it basically is at this point isn't it if there was ever a justifiable reason to have that company put under an electron microscope this would be it all of the other stuff aside all of the censorship all of the whatever dirty dealings they're involved with and and privacy issues and all that stuff aside if there was ever a reason to go after that company this is it it's almost like it's uh, icing on the cake at this point. I was just getting ready stuff. to yeah. I was just getting ready to say, okay, we'll take this too. It's like when yeah. you arrest somebody, you get them on some small charge, but you're actually after the larger, the larger case of it all. You'll drop the small mm -hmm. thing. It's like okay, I don't. If this guy, for example, if you're after a guy that that killed two people in cold blood, and you catch him on an expired driver's license and you find out the rest of that stuff because of the warrant, well, you're going to drop the expired driver's license. You don't care about that. I don't care about the privacy stuff. I'll take this all day long. Do you have any, do you have any millions of people that these people are complicit in killing around the world? I'll forgive all the privacy stuff. I'll drop that. Let's go after this. Um, uh, I, I, I don't forgive the privacy stuff personally. <laughs> But okay, I, 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 get, I don't either. I get but you see what I'm, yeah, you see what I'm trying, you yeah, see yeah. what I'm saying though. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't, I don't really forgive the privacy stuff, but we'll take this too. You know, this, this is the bigger charge, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I agree, but uh, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put the other aside. I would keep the other mm -hmm. on the books as well. Yeah. All right. There is a sticking with China here. There is a um, there's a rumor floating around. Now, I don't know if there's any any truth to this or not. This is just and I've seen it floating around several different. Uh, news organizations. It's a buzz in the last uh, 24, 48 hours. Supposedly, there is a top Chinese official who has defected to the U.S., supposedly. Now, I find this very interesting because I look at a lot of the people within the United States government and I see collaboration with Beijing. I don't see anybody standing up. So this is this is perplexing to me. How do you take somebody that wants to defect to the United States when you have a federal apparatus in the United States that's compromised by China. H how do you handle that? Well, it's very simple. If that were the case, then he'd just simply be arrested and turned back over and, and extradited. He'd be put on a plane that wouldn't have any markings on it, and he'd be dropped off in Beijing. Have a nice day. A senior Chinese spy catcher. Now, if anybody can get into the U.S. and contact the right people, someone like this could do it. Now, make no mistake about it. When you start getting into like espionage, people that do espionage, international espionage, spies, that, that kind of stuff, and, and spy investigators. These are some of the sharpest people on the planet. These are these are very, very intelligent people. KGB people back in the old Soviet days. I mean, they were they were the best of the best. Hell, you go back into the uh, into the investigators that were employed by uh, by the Nazis. Those guys were sharp. I mean, they knew how to investigate a crime or or a potential defector or something like that. When you start getting into these totalitarian regimes and you get into what would be considered to be like their modern day Praetorian guards, that's what they are. These are really sharp people. So the CIA, same thing, usually, <laughs> although their advertising campaigns these days are a bit to be desired, I have to admit. But they're, they're yeah. extremely intelligent people. They're, they're special agents. They are really sharp people. China's no different. Their intelligence people, their operatives are probably some of the best in the world. I have no doubt about it. Same thing with the Germans. 
Same thing with the Italian. Same thing with the Dutch. Same thing with the French. Same thing with the the English, the the British. These are their their intelligence people. Their international people are are sharp as a razor. So if anybody could navigate these systems in these countries and know it inside and out as far as like the corruption and who they can trust and who they can't. And I mean, because let's be honest, there's a lot of times that these these men and women that do this kind of work, it is the back channels that prevent countries from going to war. That happens. They do have those contacts and they do talk. You, you don't think that back in the day of the Soviet Union in the Cold War against the United States, you, you don't think that you, you didn't have CIA operatives and KGB operatives communicating with each other behind the scenes? Of course that happened. It's no different now. You have Chinese operatives that are talking with Western operatives. That's how it works. And this is the point in time in history when you start seeing the double, triple, and the quadruple crosses. We're at that point. You'll start seeing defectors from both sides. You'll start seeing defectors become defectors again. So it's it's a uh, it's a very how do I say um, it's a very cutthroat game within the operative community behind the scenes how they do these things. But nonetheless, back to the original point: a senior Chinese spy catcher could have defected to the United States and informed Washington D.C about what is going on inside the Wuhan lab. Now, that is coming from a rumor that's circulating on Chinese social media. Now, at the same time, you also have to consider, because you got to look at all sides here, you also have to consider, is that something that China is playing? Is that an agenda that China's playing? Is that a seed that they're planting for another storyline that they want to play out somewhere? The defector is believed to be Dong Zhengwei, I think that's how you say his name. Uh, J I N G W E I. I think it's. I think that's Y or or we. Maybe, maybe it's Dong Dong Zhen Wei or something like that. I, I I'm not sure. I, I really don't know. He's believed to have fled to the U S. on February 10th with his daughter. Now that's according to rumors that are cited by a Chinese social media company called Spy Talk. Don't know. Uh, Dong was a vice minister of state security, meaning that his defection, if confirmed, would be the highest ever from China. He's believed to have told U.S. officials about the situation in Wuhan er, in the Wuhan lab from where the virus may have come from, causing the Biden administration to take the lab leak theory more seriously. I, I'm not entirely sure about that. I don't think they take it seriously at all, to be honest. I think it's just political mm-hmm. theater, smoke and mirrors. Yeah. A lot of these people that are in this administration, are, including the president himself, and as far as I'm concerned, are compromised. So I, I and that was that was before he even took office. He was like we knew that he was compromised before he took office. And it's not it's not because of you can say all the the Ukraine thing and and Hunter Biden and Burisma and all the rest of it. That was one thing. The bigger thing to me good enough. That should have been enough. Yeah, that should have been more than enough. But the bigger thing to me was the selling of our stealth technology for our nuclear submarines to China. That should have been enough. By the way, China still has, as far as we know. China still has a diesel-only submarine fleet. They just put their latest one to sea just the other day. So far as we know, they don't have a nuclear submarine yet, so far as we know, which supposedly North Korea has one. I don't know how in the hell that's even possible, but whatever. <laughs> that country can't even keep the lights on. They're building nuclear submarines? I don't think so. No, nah, I don't believe it. Back to this gentleman. He was, from 2018 until his supposed defection, responsible for the ministry's counterintelligence efforts in China, according to Spy Talk. If I understand correctly, he's not a he's a spy, but he's he's a spy that catches spies, which makes him even more sharp. So if you're somebody that's that's put in charge of catching double agents, for example, I mean, you've got to be really, really good 
to be one of those people. Or a good BSer. Or that too. I mean, well, either way, you've got to, at that level, you're playing politics. At that level, yeah. you're especially in any communist party apparatus. I don't care if it's Venezuela, Cuba, the old Soviet Union. I, I don't care. In a communist party apparatus or even a fascist party, you know, fascist apparatus, any, any kind of totalitarianism at that level, you're a politician. But, but you still have to have some skill to get there and a lot of it. He was previously the head of the High Bay Province uh, Provincial Department of State Security, which uh, and it was in and he was in charge of the area surrounding Beijing, different province, Hubei, High Bay, yeah, different province. His defection was reportedly brought up at the highly contentious meeting in March in Alaska between Anthony Blinken, who is the useless Secretary of State, and his Chinese counterparts. That was the coalition that met there to. I'm not sure what they were doing. They they literally just sat there, like the the American so-called delegation, they sat there while the Chinese went on for what was supposed to be five minutes. They went on for over an hour. What, what an absolute waste of time and resources. What a waste. Dr. Han Linxiao, a former Chinese foreign ministry official who defected after the 1989 Tiananmen Square massacre, tweeted on Wednesday that Dong's defection was discussed, according to this Chinese social media network. Han alleged that China's foreign minister and Communist Party foreign affairs chief demanded that the Americans return him. But supposedly um, Blinken, the uh, the secretary of state, if that's what he is, uh, he refused. So I, I would have been halfway convinced, I think, until that last line. Yeah. Personally, I wasn't convinced. Uh, here, here's my problem. Uh, China plays so many different games on so many different levels that, hey, we have a defector. Eh, I, I don't believe you. No, I don't believe Prove it. Give me something tangible. And even know? so, even so, maybe they just send him there. Maybe they send him there to, to, get, to get in, to get apprehended by the American authorities to find out what information they have. I mean, that's what they do. Yeah, yeah. Find out who's over there playing yeah. ball and who's not. I mean, the easiest way to not get caught is to literally walk right out the door, right? Yeah. I mean, it's so simple. It might just work. All right. Um, okay. Since we're talking, since, since we were on the the subject of Google, there. I mean, I, I wanted to talk about uh, uh, about Navarro, but he was on a podcast the other day, and he was basically. We'll just run down through this real quick. He was talking about Fauci and just uh, basically just blasting the guy like he was like he does all the time, and he's he's a hundred percent right on it. Former Trump official Peter Navarro basically picks Fauci apart over the hydroxychloroquine fiasco. And that's that's not even up for debate, to be honest with you. That's that's open and close. Fauci's responsible for having that stuff pulled off the shelves, not just in America, but around the world. Because if you don't have a solution, you don't have any kind of therapeutics, you don't have anything that's shown to be effective against any kind of a pathogen or a virus, well then, the only option's a vaccine, right? Uh-huh. Like I said, he was on a podcast tearing him apart for that. But that's, again, that's nothing new. We were talking about privacy earlier with Google. There's a COVID tracker app that installs itself without user consent and including on parental lock devices. Does this seem concerning to you? I mean, Google and Apple did this. Like, for example, they they installed immediately, immediately after the initial lockdowns. Oh, we're going to put this as part of our software. Yeah, we're going to do that. Okay. Uh, Did you ask anybody? Well, no, see, you didn't have to because everybody agreed to those... Uh, terms of service that they just had agreed to, and you reserve the right as a company to change that whenever you need to, for whatever reason you deem fit. So that's why they were able to do that. However, this is outside of that. This is something else. Massachusetts state officials recently announced the launch of a voluntary, voluntary mass notify app. Uh, Bruce's lip curl says it all. 
which monitors the spread of COVID. That was me trying to hide a yawn. I apologize. (laughs) (laughs) It is like these are yawn at this this point, aren't they? It's disgusting, this kind of stuff. Yeah. So this app supposedly monitors the spread of COVID-19 in the States. Uh, The only problem is, is that the app appears to be installing itself on residents and their kids' smartphones, uh, unbeknownst to them. Uh, without their consent, that's that's a little bit of a little bit of a concern. You know, they launched these these apps uh, all over the place in the early days, and you know the biggest problem they were having with them, people weren't using them. Uh, they tried to do it in the early days of the NHS app over in the UK. We talked about that, and I mean, what they have like six hundred thousand people sign up to it. That, that was all they had. I thought it was more than that. I thought it was like I thought they had something like three million. Was it? Oh, maybe it was. Maybe it was. But they lost half of that within the first month. Yeah. Because no one just didn't use it. Yeah, they just didn't use it. And they I mean, they still got them. If I go into it, like I have two devices here. But if I go into the very first page of the Google Play Store, what is this? That's a covid app right there. The very first page, COVID-19 exposure apps. Mm -hmm. And it's like it's the official one. You can't get rid of this thing on this page. You can't do it. And of course, if you go into the phone itself, this is, of course, if you have if you have a Google phone or anything like that, then you have the go the COVID-19 exposure notifications or whatever it is in there. Of course, I, I don't use this. I don't use this thing, but it's there. I use this as a music player. That's all I use it for. Everything else goes through a phone that I have that is not Google. So it doesn't have any of this stuff. It's not compatible with any of this stuff. They're, they're going to find it very difficult to put somebody like myself in a system like this when I don't have a system that's compatible with that. How am I supposed to operate and go along with any of this stuff if I don't have the system that they're uh, putting on everybody? Same thing with people that don't have smartphones. What about the people that don't have them? Well, simple, comrade. The government will issue you one. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, uh, it's just it's as simple as the fact that I'm not interested. I'm not interested. I I don't need a smartphone. I'm not one of these people that's been brought up with it. You know, I I went to a store the other day. Listen to this. I I went to a store the other day and I I went bed shopping. Right. I I got a new bed. And you know how they have the features you can add to the bed. It was one of these custom uh, Swiss uh, Swiss bed, whatever things. You know how you can get like the, the the custom features where you can like raise and lower and you know all that stuff. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. That kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Well, they they were talking about how great it was that that it's Bluetooth and you can connect it to your phone and and, and men love it. And I'm like, I don't love it. I think that's ridiculous. And when I say that, am I am I that far disconnected in that regard that the people look at me with with disregard that I don't go along with that stuff is is that is that what it is because this stuff and like I said I used to be one of these early adopter types but this stuff that's that's out there now this all intrusive all encompassing stuff I'm not interested in that I'm interested in what is furthest away from that I have a smartphone that makes calls receives calls sends text messages receives text messages and uses our telegram app that's all I have I don't take photos. I don't do Instagram. I don't do Facebook. I don't do Twitter, any of that stuff. I could care less about any of that stuff. I really don't need any of that stuff. And and to be honest with you, do any of us really need it? Do you really need that stuff? Do you need a bed that you can control with Bluetooth? Do you need Google Nest in your home to control your thermostat like what they're doing to the people in California right now? Oh, yeah, you're forced to take that 78 degrees Fahrenheit in your house between the hours of 5 p.m. and 10 p.m. every day. Texas as well. You guys have ERCOT. Yeah. I, I, Honestly, I just, it, it uh, people, uh, I think people, 
because of your hesitancy to to convenience as they see it i i think they 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 see it as being a conspiracy theory but it's not convenience though like that's that's the selling deception is all that is the convenience thing oh well don't you want it it's convenient that's the selling point to people companies don't care about giving you convenience these big companies they don't care about giving you convenience they're more interested in your behavior and your your actions your movements your preferences your relationships all the rest of that they're more interested in that they're not interested in giving you something that's going to make your life easier that that's the big trade-off so i i i don't like a phone that sits there and 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 notifies me and tells me about things i'll get to the phone when i need to get to the phone I'll get to that thing. The phone that I have doesn't bother me. It doesn't beep at me. It doesn't make any kind of noises or anything like that. It doesn't try to sell me something. It's there when I need that device. That's all it's for. I'm going to push back just a bit and say, I do think companies are making products make it more convenient for you, but it's not in the convenient way you're thinking. It's more convenient for you to use their product. That's what they're trying to do. They're making it more convenient for you to use their product, not Fair for enough. your life to be more convenient. So slight, slight difference. But, uh, you know, in this sense, like having that bed uh, that, you know, being able to adjust it with your smartphone. Well, you're not going to be fumbling around trying to find the controller for the bed. You're going to be using a smartphone. To, so it's making it more convenient for you to use their product. So it's a it's an artificial selling point, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. Well, some of the people uh, have have commented very colorfully on this uh, this app that's just installed themselves or installed itself on these phones. I'll just quote one here. Thank you, Massachusetts and Google for silently installing mass notify on my phone without consent. But I have a request. Can you also silently install an app that makes my phone explode and kill me? It's a good question. Yes. I mean, they technically could. Um, Actually, they could. Do you remember that debacle with the Samsung S8s? Yeah. The batteries, they were exploding. Yeah. Yeah. Because of a software defect. I mean, yeah. Well, it wasn't even, it was technically a hardware defect in the way the the batteries were designed, but it it wouldn't be hard to do, honestly. I mean, Uh you would just get rid of the safeguards for temperatures and, uh, you know, and then throttle the the CPU usage. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The Mass Notify app was developed in cooperation with both Apple and Google strange a company that funds research for the wuhan institute of virology which also happens to be the lab in question about where this thing came from is magically giving you an app and installing software on their own phones directly to supposedly protect you from what they funded to be released i just they got you coming and going uh they claim to work anonymously and uh, they do not track users private information well i'm glad they cleared that up uh this claim was made by republican governor charlie baker who said this week as we embrace our new normal who is this guy republican get him out get him out recall him throw his sorry ass out in the street just for that first line of that statement right there as we embrace our new normal which nobody asked for Mass Notify is a voluntary free tool to provide additional peace of mind to residents as they return to doing the things that they love. You know, there was a, a, a COVID tracking app that I don't remember which provider may have been Verizon, but there was uh, one of the providers here, major providers here in the U.S. They uh, um, Verizon's, involuntarily. Verizon's just just curious. It, it could be because Verizon is part of the WBCSD. Just saying. Okay, so 
uh, one of them, I, I know a family member was talking about it. They, they had a COVID tracking app that was um, installed um, on their system, uh, on their uh, smartphone without their consent. I think that specific one, though, wasn't supposed to be an actual tracker in the sense of it, it, it tracked your whereabouts and whatnot. It was supposed to be a tracker as in like charts, graphs, data and that kind of stuff about COVID so that COVID would be right there. One of the first widgets you see when you unlock your phone, it would be COVID. You know, what I find fascinating about all this is that there's no need for this. There's no need for, for this. There's no need for, for vaccine passports. There's no need for vaccines. There's no need for masks. There's no need for social distancing. None of it. There is and a there, need for it. There is a need for it for those who buy into it. Yes. Well, if you're Google and you're about socially engineering people, then yes, Fair you point. need this. Fair point. Yeah. If you're an elite that is sycophantic, diabolical, and deranged, then yeah, you need it. But yeah. I, I'm referencing what we covered on the exclusive, and I, I'm just going to kind of give this a little bit of a, a little bit of an insight here uh, that we talked about on the exclusive. And if you want to hear about it, then go over to our Telegram page, get signed up to us over there, get subscribed to us there. It's free of charge, doesn't cost you anything. Get signed up to us over there. You can get the full report that we did on it on our exclusive just the other day. There was a study that was put out here in Germany by a university here, and they conducted a control study. They did 190,000 tests on 160,000 people using the PCR test, uh, the PCR test that they're, they're using everywhere. And what they found was that there was no significant evidence that supported person-to-person -person transmission of someone that tested positive from a PCR test. None. Now, I know we've been saying that. I know that we've been going on and, and, and you know going on tirades month after month after month about that. But this is the actual peer-reviewed, published paper that they love to beat you over the head with all day. Oh, we're evidence-based. We're science-based. We're database. There it is. We also have the paper available up on our Telegram page. Go get it. Read it. It's in English. It's in German. You can get either one. We have the actual links to the website from the university that did it, from the actual professor that performed the test and performed the study. It's his paper, along with his colleagues. That report, which, by the way, is still not in the news here anywhere. I'm on the ground here where that, was, that study was actually done. Nothing in the news about it. Nothing. Because it shuts down all of this. It shuts it all down. But as Bruce said, if you're one of these people, then you need this. So they will not stop. They will not stop. Speaking of social engineering, keeping with this this thing, and this will be our last point, China is using uh, using AI to, to only allow smiling employees into a building. Isn't that great? You can only come in here if you're happy. You can only come in here if you have a smile on your face. Nobody wants to work with a a negative Nancy or a Debbie Downer, right? Nobody wants to work with the, those people around your office that are sad and depressed and, and all the rest of it. Isn't this great? Isn't this great? Wait till they put this I in the store. I feel personally attacked. Yeah, I, I hardly ever smile, to be honest. So it, there's not a lot these days to smile at. But can you imagine? Oh, you can only shop here if you're happy. I feel like this, I feel like this is something out of that... Uh, uh, what's that dystopic uh, video game? I never played it, but what's that dystopic? We happy few that thing. Oh, you've got to be happy. You've got to be happy all the time. If you're not happy, there's something wrong with you. You need your meds. Yeah, that's that seems like what this is. Oh, you you're not happy. If if Bill Gates was in charge of this, you're not happy. Well, we got a vaccine for that. It's okay. There's a TV show of that, isn't there? What's that? What you're describing? There's a TV show, and I forget what it was called. It's exactly uh, what you're describing, and I, I forget um, what it's called. I, I've I heard people talk about it. Yeah, I I, th I know what show it is. I think it's called Hell. I think that's what it's called. Yeah, it, I, 
it's it's something like Somerville or something like that. I, I don't remember. I, I'm I'm horrible with TV shows. I don't watch them. So yeah, there is a camera manufacturer, Canon. Everybody knows Canon. Yeah, you know, big expensive cameras. And to be honest with you, six hundred bucks, you take some fantastic professional quality pictures for six hundred bucks. Great camera. Those uh, those Canons. They have invented a new way to boost workplace morale. Installing AI cameras in its offices that force workers to smile in order to enter the building. So the cameras only allow smiling workers to enter rooms or book meetings, ensuring that all employees are consistently smiling while at the office. Can you imagine that? How boring and miserable must that be? You know something? That right there, by the way, this is another one of those uh, WBCSD companies, Canon. It's another one of those. I'll bet you they're going to be the ones that are responsible for the, uh, the utopia cities, plastic cities that Klaus Schwab and company want to build. You can only live here if you're happy. Mm-hmm. Because why? Oh, well, you'll own nothing and you'll be happy about it, right? Yeah, you'll be happy about it. There's going to be cameras there that are going to ensure that you're happy about it. The TV shows that I do watch, um, like Star Trek, for example, they they played with that idea in DS9. Um, I forget, Cisco and whatever the doctor's name was. They had some kind of time warp or some you know you know how the anomaly stuff works in star trek Uh anyway they ended up going Uh to earth in our future but their past and this exactly was going on they had the plastic cities and then they had the slums and to be in the plastic city you had to have all this they actually called them sanctuary city yeah yeah i remember that i remember that it was supposed to take place like uh like 10 years from now yeah like yeah 2030 Oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, pretty close to there. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was like yeah. 2033 or 2035 and that. Well, universe, you'll own nothing but, yeah. and you'll be happy about it. Yeah. Yeah. You'll own yeah. nothing. The future was, or excuse me, the future. The <laughs> I see what you did. The, uh, <laughs> the feature was noted in a recent report from the Financial Times about how Chinese companies are surveilling employees to a worrying degree. Yeah, I bet. I bet the Financial Times is really worried about that, seeing as how that's one of the media outlets that takes out full page ads paid for lock stock and two smoking barrels by the Chinese Communist Party. I'll bet they're real concerned about that. Not a whole lot different than uh, what some companies here in the States were doing um, uh, to their employees uh, because, you know, you had to work from home. So the kind the level of spyware they were putting on your system, on your quote unquote workstation, which was really your personal computer, they would monitor uh, all traffic going through your network, whether mm-hmm. it was business hours or not. Uh, they, they monitored everything. You never. That, that's a step too far. Yeah, you, you never. Even so, even if even if they don't do that, you never do any kind of your own surfing or whatever on corporate devices. Never. Never do yeah. that. Don't ever surf the web unless it's business related. Don't ever do that. Don't ever, if you're on a company phone, a smartphone, use it for company business. And when you're done, turn it off. Don't ever under this any circumstances. At home, though. This was at home on their private networks. Oh, Oh, I thought you were talking about you like know, using during, corporate devices for no, no, okay. n- no, no. This was this was during COVID when you had to work from home. The companies oh, were requiring yeah, yeah. you to install monitoring software yeah. onto your yeah, system. Yeah, yeah. They had cameras, microphones. Um, the camera would check. Some companies were checking every five to ten minutes to make sure you were at your station. They were also tracking all web traffic. All I mean, it it was yeah. That's that's a step too far. Sorry. That's that's a, many steps too far. Yeah, that's 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 way way out of line. That that did I get my work done in the allotted time? Yes or no? Yes, then I did my job. No, then maybe I should be in for a review. 
that, that that's the level of what it should be. It should not be them monitoring and uh, but I'm old fashioned. I, I mean, unless you're Jeffrey yeah. Tubin from CNN, <laughs> you know, yeah, different line of work, I guess. But yeah. different line yeah. of work. Yeah, it was a different line of work. Of course, he I, yeah. I don't think he was. I don't think he was he wasn't with CNN just hired him as uh, as like an, an analyst or a correspondent or something. And he was working, I think it was for the New Yorker magazine. I think is who it was. He was on the Zoom call. Anyway, it's just yeah, that that monitoring stuff. No, no, sorry. That's 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 just going too far. Back to this thing here. So King's College in London, an academic there named Nick Cernick. Interesting. Nick Cernick. That's interesting. name. Yeah. He told the Financial Times, workers are not being replaced by algorithms and artificial intelligence. Oh, they're not? So they are being. <laughs> they are being replaced. Yeah, that's yeah, they are being replaced. <laughs> Instead, the management is being sort of augmented by these technologies. Nice cover. Ni- nice uh-huh. cover. Yeah. Uh-huh. Technologies are increasing the pace for people who work with the machines instead of the other way around. Oh, see, you're working your way in collaboration with them so you can get the machines to a point where you're obsolete. It's like training your replacement before they fire you. That's what it yeah. is. Well, the other thing is, is they're saying you, you could argue that the same thing that he just said for the uh, monitoring software companies were using during COVID and requiring you to have active on your systems and on your network. I mean, you could argue that artificial intelligence was augmenting your um, effectiveness at your job. Mm-hmm. Now, see, he's comparing this to um, just like what happened during the Industrial Revolution of the 18th century. Uh, but see, there's a little bit of a difference. There's a little bit of a difference here. Yeah, there's a little bit of a difference here, though. The Industrial Revolution of the 18th century actually put people to work. The revolution that's about to happen now, the Fourth Industrial Revolution, the Fourth Turning, which is what Klaus and company call it, uh, this is not putting people to work. This is putting people out of work. They want to end work, these people. The Industrial Revolution brought people out of poverty. Because if you looked at uh, the poverty levels back in the day when everybody was farmers or it was an agrarian society uh, before everything was industrialized, everything was impoverished. I mean, you Mm -hmm. look at the the marketing and everything, even even that was uh, a poverty level. Like, how they presented things in marketing. And then the Industrial Revolution happens and people start coming out of the poverty. And now uh, the most impoverished among us in the Western culture is still better off than, you know, 90% of the rest of the world. So that's all thanks to this. And as you're saying, this new this new and next revolution, if we're not able to get the reins of it and the elite retain the reins and they take control and do the nonsense they're wanting to do, which we're going to go back to those poverty levels. Yeah. Which, to be honest with you, there. I mean, these people, the, the public opinion of these people is thumbs down 100 percent at this point. I mean, these people are hated that. But by the, the what I believe to be the majority of people, the minor, the minorities of people, they're out there lining up at, uh, at vaccination centers. But uh, I think uh, I think the bigger numbers, I'm sorry, you see the bigger numbers of people in the streets, uh, places like London. You see bigger numbers than what you see at, uh, at, at a lot of these other places. You do. I probably shouldn't say this because it's a little bit of a, a dark despairing, but does it really matter? It, let's say we have 90% of the world standing against them, but that remaining 10% is the elite that run all the businesses, that run the corporations, that run, basically have control of our lives, essentially, because they're the mm-hmm. ones that produce the products, the foods, everything. Mm-hmm. What if they're the ones that say, no, we're going down this road, even if 90% of the world is... Uh, not on board. 
what what are you well, what are you gonna do well i, I mean uh, i know what i would prescribe I, say, but... I, I know what i exactly what i would prescribe and i thought i don't think we're too far uh in in the manners of being dissimilar with uh with our solutions there uh it's pretty it's a pretty simple answer uh as to what you do at that point but um anyway there's a. Uh, there's another company that does something similar to this, uh, Amazon. Uh, Amazon's doing something now. They basically, they, they're, they're essentially, they're employing social credit within their company. Uh, that, that's what they're doing. They're ranking worker productivity using algorithms. So it's not even, you know, at least with social credit, you, you, can, you can input your own, uh, in, you know, you can input your own behavior and your own actions into the system. That's not what this is. This is an algorithm that's created by people that evaluate you, your performance and your behavior. So what that will do, that will fire the people that are at the bottom of the scale and keep the people that are at the top of that scale. Uh, the company apparently in this in this manner, they go to great lengths, uh, great lengths to improve worker productivity. And now even we talked about these last was it last week, week before hell, I don't know. They provide these small phone booths. I mean, these these kind of things mm. about the size of a phone booth uh, where people can go and sit inside and, and take a mental health break. Uh, but many of the employees that that work that have these in warehouses that have these things, they actually they call them a despair closet, which is what it is. We we we've seen um, a similar thing like this uh, with the social credit system for companies like Lyft and Uber. Yeah, they do that for their customers. Yeah, it's one of those things now where, it, like, if you get into an Uber, of course, I think you have to wear a mask and you have to be double vaxxed before you can get into an Uber car these days. Uh, and it, well, they'll give you free rides. Yeah, they'll, they'll give you free rides to the vaccination center. No problem. They'll uh, they'll pay for that. So if you want to go down, you want to get whacked up with one. Say, hey, just tell Uber, just just call Uber and say, hey, I want a ride to the vaccination center, and they will come get you. They will take you there and bring you home, no charge. I actually, if you're if you're in a larger city that has multiple vaccination centers around. The easy way to exploit that just say hey give me a lift to this vaccination center that's just, close to the food the restaurant yeah, that i want to go, go to the restaurant yeah well you probably need yeah. to, you probably need to hit the jab before you go in and uh and sit down and order a meal because they probably won't let you in you need a ah, QR. Fair. that's fair well they do have restaurants that are uh contactless now yeah you know what Completely. Uh, if yeah if if a restaurant's I want to go to the restaurant. I want to give the business. Actually, I'll give the I'll give the place double my business, and I will advertise for free for that establishment that says, "If you've had the jab, stay out." That's the business I want to support. That's yeah. all for today. For those of you who have not signed up for our Telegram channel, get over there, get signed up to us, get that exclusive podcast, and give that a listen that we just mentioned just earlier. Because in there we reference a study about. PCR testing and how that is the foundation for this entire mess. And if that is debunked, if that is shown to be a fraud, then all of this stuff falls, all of it. So get signed up to us over there. Give that a listen. We're a public channel over on Telegram. Join Telegram. It's a free app. Get it downloaded. Get it installed. Sign up to it. Search for us when you get there. Just search for Dynamic Independence. We're a public channel. Again, we'll pop right up. Click join. You'll be subscribed to us there. It costs you nothing. It's 100% free. But we put out all of the things we talk about here every day. 
And we also put out all of our podcasts, all of our exclusive podcasts, everything over there just for Telegram subscribers. So, and sometimes we also do live Q and A. So when you uh, when you see one of those, you can join those as well. You can come in and talk to us uh, and and give us live feedback. Those are not recorded. Uh, we just do live Q and A for those. So, but yeah, get signed up to us over there. Also, if you'd like to reach out to us, you can do so anytime by dropping us an email at tips at dynamicindependence.com. And we would ask you to pass this along to friends, family, and known associates. We are trying to grow, but we do need your help in order to do that. So if you could pass us along, we would appreciate that. We are available everywhere you get your podcast. Also, if you're rating podcast, if you give us a rating when you get a chance, we would appreciate that as well. Five stars would be a plus. Thank you very much. All right, that will do it for today. Thank you for being here today, Bruce. Thank you to all the listeners. Everyone have a fantastic evening. 